Happy Mother's Day! Just about. If you didn't know that, you still have some time, but not much. So you better get on that. I'm Pastor Stephen, and speaking of Mother's Day, my wife Sarah, who's back there. Hi, Sarah. And I recently had our first child. Church, meet Ambrose James. There he is. There's the screen. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And now that I'm a dad, I thought it was only fitting to start off with a dad joke. Now, this is very fitting because this actually comes from my dad recently. So this is as authentic as it gets. Now, the costume party theme is emotions. Young woman walks in dressed in blue sweatpants, blue sweatshirt holding a box of Kleenexes, tears painted on her cheeks. What emotion is she? Sadness, yes. Uh, man barges in, he's dressed in red from head to toe, red scrunched face, he's holding a steering wheel, honking a horn. What emotion is he? Anger, yes. And then this older woman walks in, she's dressed in dark clothes, and she's wearing a car tire around her waist. What emotion do you think she is? You know, tired was a good guess. That's what I thought too. But she said, nope. Don't you know? I'm in despair. <laughs> like I said, dad joke. My apologies. We're in our series, Just Emotions, exploring the emotions of Jesus. Today's emotion is anguish. That pain we carry from our aches to our heartaches. In Luke 22, Jesus takes us on a journey to find the purpose behind our pain. Let's start our journey as all journeys should. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we walk into church often with smiles on our face. And yet behind them, we all carry pain. Whether physical pain, emotional pain, we all experience anguish at times in our lives. It's hard to look past the pain and see your purpose in any of it. And yet we know that you work all things for the good of those who love you. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and to see your purpose in our pain. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's church said, Amen. He has the 14th Thursday circled on his calendar. The downtown restaurant reserve table for 13, he's invited his closest friends to a going-away party, a multi-course Middle Eastern meal. He's booked that private room on the second story, the one overlooking the street. As the guests climb the stairs, they smell the aroma of food wafting up from the kitchen. The soup and salad come out first. It's matzo ball soup with a herosit salad of Golden apples and walnuts, 
whisked in wine, honey, and cloves. Then there's the main course, roasted lamb, coated in a spice rub of olive oil, garlic, and rosemary. Ooh, that lamb, they eat it right down to the bone. That's when the host stands up. He says he saved the best course for last. We'll leave that to mystery for now. Filled with food and wine, the whole table erupts in song and then heads over to the city park. What emotion do you think the host feels? Joy? Sadness? After all, this is a going away party. Luke tells us what the host feels. Anguish. Because this isn't just any going away party. This is Jesus' last supper. Luke continues, chapter two, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. The walk from that second story dining room to the city park is 15 minutes. I've been to the Mount of Olives. It's not really a mountain, more like a city park on a steep hill. Verse 40, upon reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. They arrive between 10 and 11 p.m., quite late for a city without streetlights, where everything closes down around sundown. Yet this isn't just any late night. This is Passover, when observant Jews stay up late for the Passover prayers. Jesus' party guests, his 12 disciples, would have stayed up this late every Passover since they turned 13. Back then, these teenage boys prayed by reciting the same Hebrew words again and again. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ahad. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ahad. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. To a teenage boy, it felt like being stuck on repeat, talking to the ceiling. Jesus changed all that. He taught his disciples they could pray to God as Father. He taught them the Lord's Prayer, and he taught them Luke eleven four, lead us not into temptation. Temptation isn't just cookies and ice cream. Temptation is demons trying to drag us down. As we'll see soon in this text, angels and demons are real. Demons can't destroy us directly, so they tempt us to destroy ourselves. Anyone ever wrecked a relationship because they felt angry? Okay, just me. <laughs> Anyone ever let their health slip because they felt lazy? Okay, two of us. Anyway, that's what sin is, self-destruction. Jesus says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw away. Beyond them knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. 
Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is a 33-year-old carpenter with a strong arm. So a stone's throw, that's pretty far. Well out of earshot. Farther than his disciples could hear. So how do we know what Jesus prayed in that park? He must have told them. He must have felt we should know. He prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. This cup isn't filled with Welch's grape juice. This is the cup of God's wrath to be poured out upon the sinful nations. Hint, that's us. Jeremiah 25 tells it, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. Would anyone want to drink this cup? Not me. Not even Jesus. This cup is the cost of every sin ever committed in every nation, yet Jesus prays, not my will, but yours be done. What a powerful prayer. We'll unpack it more later. Here's how God answers. Verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. That's right. Angels are real too. It's easy to think of the spiritual realm as somewhere up there or somewhere down there, but the spiritual realm is all around us. The spiritual realm and the physical realm aren't separate places on a map. They're overlapping realities. When we pray, angels appear and demons flee. If only we had the eyes to see. Verse 44, and being in anguish, He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. What emotion does Jesus feel as he prays in the park? What does it say? Anguish. Pain, so strong that sweat drips from his face. Now, Luke doesn't say Jesus literally sweats blood. I think that sometimes can get confused. Luke says that Jesus sweats like drops of blood. What's that about? Jesus' mental anguish foreshadows his physical anguish. Jesus' drops of sweat foreshadow his drops of blood. It's minutes before midnight. Minutes before Jesus pulls his sweat-stained body off the ground and heads down that hill, he knows the police have him surrounded. He knows who turned him in, his friend Judas. That's heartbreak. To be hurt deepest by those we love deepest. The police bust up the going-away party and haul off the host in handcuffs. The judges read him his charges several counts of Sabbath breaking for healing the sick, the blind, and the paralyzed, and one count of blasphemy for being the Son of God. 
The verdict, guilty. The sentence, death. Jesus knows your heartaches. He was betrayed by one of his best friends. Jesus knows your physical aches too. The medical doctor, William Edwards, describes what happens next. They strip Jesus of his clothing and tie his hands to an upright post. They flog his back with whips studded with nails. The lacerations tear into his underlying skeletal muscles and produce ribbons of bleeding flesh. They place the 100-pound crossbeam upon his bloodied back. When he falls, his bound hands are unable to break his fall, resulting in blunt chest trauma and a contused heart. Upon arrival, they drive nails into his wrists and ankles, holding him to the cross. The nails crush the median nerves, producing bolts of excruciating pain. To breathe, Jesus has to push up on the nails of his feet or suffocate under his own weight. Jesus chose to die like that. In that city park, with a stomach full of roasted lamb, surrounded by his best friends, Jesus chose to die. Jesus chose to die for you. Jesus chose all of it. When he prayed in that park, not my will, but yours be done. It's easy to be swept up in emotion here, yet we need to engage both our head and our heart because there's something bigger happening here. Something so big, it takes the early church another 400 years to wrap their heads around it. Listen closely to the words of Jesus' prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Now on the surface, that's a prayer that anyone should pray. Yet Jesus isn't just anyone. He's God. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. How can Jesus have a will that's different than the Father's will? The early church wrestled with this question. They knew the prayer the disciples grew up praying. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is what? One. So how can Jesus be God and the Father be God, and yet Jesus is not the Father? In 451, they called every leader of every church to the city of Chalcedon, literally the place where Europe and Asia meet in modern-day Turkey. There on the Chalcedon coast, they fried fish and wrestled with the question, who is Jesus? Raise your hand if you've ever heard this phrase. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Anyone heard that? Jesus is fully God and fully man. Number of hands went up. Does anyone know where that comes from? It's not in the Bible, although the Bible certainly supports it. It comes from Chalcedon. It comes from what they wrote. 
which we call the Chalcedonian Creed. Let's read this together. It'll be up on the screen. We confess one Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, perfect God and perfect man, fully God and fully man, one with the Father in his divine nature and one with us in his human nature, in all things like us, yet without sin. Begotten before all ages of the Father, born for us and for our salvation of the Virgin Mary, one Christ in two natures, without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. Who is Jesus? Fully God and fully man. Here's what this means. Jesus didn't just make a bridge between God and us. Jesus is that bridge, one with the Father in his divine nature, and one with us in his human nature. He's the God-man, the one who unites God and man in Christ. Jesus suffered anguish. Why? For us and for our salvation. He endured the anguish in the park, the betrayal, the torture, the cross, so that he might trade cups with us, so that he might drink the cup of God's wrath and give us the cup of his salvation. Remember, there was a final course at the Last Supper. After the matzo ball soup, after the apple walnut salad, after the roasted lamb, Jesus saved the best course for last. Luke 22, verse 19, and he took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus feeds us with his own body and blood. He drinks the cup of God's wrath and gives us the cup of his salvation. That's a better meal than any five-star Michelin restaurant ever served. We've heard Luke's story. How do we live what we've learned? We all experience anguish. You saw that sweet baby up on the screen a bit ago. I recently trimmed my baby's fingernail too short. It bled. He went from happy to sad to screaming. Anyone been there? That's a lot of hands. Wow. I still feel the pit in my stomach. I feel like my mental anguish outweighed his physical anguish, although I'm not sure of that. What's your anguish? Maybe it's physical pain, an accident that wrecked your back, a migraine that won't go away, a battle with chronic pain. Maybe it's heartache, a missed opportunity, a broken relationship. 
What did Jesus do when he felt anguish? He invited his friends to his favorite restaurant, walked 15 minutes to the nearest park, fell to his knees and prayed like there's no tomorrow. He even told us his prayer, not my will, but yours be done. In Christ, God became man with a human nature and a human will. And just as Jesus' pain had a purpose, in Jesus, our pain can have a purpose. Has anyone heard of kintsugi? Kintsugi, it's a Japanese style of art that restores broken pottery. Instead of trying to hide the cracks, the artist fills them in with gold, bringing out the beauty from the brokenness. Isn't that what God does with our brokenness? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who, have, who love him, who have been called according to his good purpose. Anguish is not good. Pain is not good. But God who redeems all things can take the broken pieces of our lives and make all things good. He even made the cross good. That's why we call it Good Friday. When you're at anguish, invite your friends to your favorite restaurant. Walk 15 minutes to the nearest park. But most importantly, pray to the God who can make all things good. Amen.